Hi, welcome to episode 134 of Motherhood in Hollywood. And today it's all about the music of movies and television. And I cannot wait to dive deeper into this topic. You guys are going to love it. But first, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Smile Direct Club. If you have ever wanted to change your smile or been self-conscious about something with your teeth, maybe a little extra spacing as you grow older, take a minute, go to smiledirectclub.com and check it out. The website will walk you through everything that's included with Smile Direct Club. Every weekly aligner, how your teeth will shift, um, what you can expect in terms of comfort and that sort of thing. I'm at the halfway mark of my program with Smile Direct Club and I only have two more months to go and I can already see a big difference in my smile. So go right now, smiledirectclub.com. <laughs> Let me spit it out. <laughs> smiledirectclub.com and check it out. Enter the code Heather Smiles, and you will get 50 percent off of your at-home impression kit. And if you live in a city where they have a smile shop that you can make an appointment and walk into, you'll get that scan for free. Just enter the code Heather Smiles. Yay. And good luck. And then share your pictures with me. If that's something you end up doing, share with me. I'd love to see if you guys are pursuing um, a, a change in your smile just like I am. All right. So let's get started with this week's episode. Hello, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, you guys. How are you? I hope you had a wonderful week so far. I have a really fantastic episode this week, and I cannot wait to share it with you. My guest is the Senior Director of Film, TV, and Visual Media Relations at BMI. And if you don't know what BMI is, we're going to talk about that because I asked her a lot of questions about what exactly BMI is. And um, I realized after I was talking to Chris that I got BMI confused with a company called BMG. And I think... BMG was where we used to pay like 10 cents and you got 10 CDs in the mail. Did anybody ever get that? Do you remember that's like, gosh, that was like back in the, um, the nineties, uh, mid nineties when you could mail off, um, a form and pick out your CDs and have them mailed to you. And it was like super cheap at first. And then it eventually went up. But anyway, that company is not this company. <laughs> So, so please ignore my stupid questioner in the beginning um, because it's really incredible to hear what she does um, and how she has brought film, television, music um, and composers and um, scores and that sort of thing to the forefront of pop culture. Because when you think about it, you guys, there hasn't been... Um, I mean, if you think about any like pop, like pop culture movie or any like movie from the eighties and seventies that you really remember and you, um, I don't even want to limit it to the eighties and seventies. That's just my era, I guess. But like there, music has such a powerful presence in film and television. And there, there's some songs that you hear that immediately take you back into a place and a time. And I actually wrote a blog post about this, um, on motherhoodandhollywood.com. Uh, a few months ago that was about the the songs that no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, um, remind me of a certain 
time in my life where I was, what I was doing and, and that sort of thing. And movies and television music is no different, you know. So we're going to dive into that a little bit today. Um, oh, I guess I should tell you her name. <laughs> I just realized that I'm sitting here um, uh, talking about her. I gave her title, but I did not give her a name. Um, anyway, her name is Annie Ciceri, and she is fabulous. She's also a mama to an eight-month-old boy and has a lot of wonderful things to say. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. But first, let's talk about what's happening uh, in Motherhood in Hollywood land this week. I went to the premiere of Pandas, the new documentary in IMAX. It's narrated by Kristen Bell. And you guys... They invited me to walk the red carpet. Now, usually I'm asked to cover it like as, you know, a mom, from a mommy blogger's perspective or for my TV station back home. But I was actually asked to walk as a celebrity guest. And I was so honored and so excited. And um, I, I, you know, I find that I get really nervous in situations like that because I feel like I don't know how to stand I don't know how to smile at the camera. Every time I smile, I look like I'm, you know, just cheesing it up. But um, <clears throat> that's something I don't know how celebrity. I guess you get used to it the more times you do it. I might have only done it a couple of times. So I'm there on um, on the red carpet and I'm just look, smiling away and looking. And then I go and I look at all of the um, media pictures and I just look like such a cheese ball. But whatever, whatever. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Oh, so I was going to ask you guys, let me pose this question to you all and you let me know what you think. So I had an encounter with, I guess you call her a reality star. I've never heard of her before. I had to look it up and see who she was because she was very rude and it really like threw me off um, as we were walking onto the carpet. Like I was shocked that somebody could be so nasty and that people kind of still um, kowtowed to her and like were like, oh, what can we get you? What can we do for you? It was just a little shocking to me. And I'm because so far, honestly, in Hollywood, all the shows I've been in, I worked with Steve Carell. I have worked with Mindy Kaling. No one has ever been like rude like blatantly rude but this one particular reality star seemed to just like give no f's um so my question is what what do you do in that situation do you keep it classy and don't like say anything don't reveal like who it was or what they did or any of that stuff or do you sort of like let it be known like hey this person's kind of a jerk um, so that hopefully the behavior can stop. Like it's like a bit of, I guess, public shaming or whatever. Um, I obviously have chosen to not say it out loud, but I would love to hear what you guys think. Um, keep it classy or do you reveal who it is? So in the hopes that they'll stop it or maybe be embarrassed enough to stop that behavior. Cause I feel like in Hollywood, similar to the me too scandal, um, everybody gets real quiet when there's bad behavior of any kind, we don't want to be seen associated with a scandal or outing somebody or, you know, anything like that. And people get away with bad behavior and being rude and being, um, um, Oh, what's the word I'm trying to think of entitled and because nobody calls them out on it. So what do you think guys? What would you do? Let me hear you tweet at me at Heather Brooker, or, uh, you can face book me at motherhood in Hollywood or Instagram at motherhood in Hollywood as well. So Panda's premiere was amazing. And then after that, I was invited to, you guys are going to die a special event with Nikki Hilton and Paris Hilton. Now I have to say never in my life would I ever think that I would be in the same room with the Hilton sisters, 
nor had I ever really, it was not something I'm striving for <laughs> in my life. Um, that being said, they were both lovely and very nice. They were launching, or Nikki Hilton is launching a new Mommy and Me clothing line. And um, I got to interview Nikki Hilton and she was lovely. And it just was a weird, surreal moment for me. So I was like, what am I doing? What world am I in? And um, I kind of started like doing some retro, like introspective, not retrospective, introspective um, questioning of myself and like, where am I going with my life? Because I'm just, I'm walking the red carpet as actress and host Heather Brooker. And then I'm going to an event with the Hilton sisters and interviewing them about their mommy and me line. And it's all wonderful, but I'm just kind of going like, what am I doing? What am I an actor? Am I a host? Can I do both successfully? Do I have to choose one or the other? Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm really, I would love to hear what you guys do when you find yourself at a career crossroads or, um, you know, kind of questioning your, your goals and that sort of thing. So that's what's happening in my life. Um, in the meantime though, I'm really having a lot of fun along the way and I hope you guys are having fun following me in my journey and coming with me along my journey. So, um, that being said, I would love to share with you now, um, Annie's journey, Annie Ciceri. Again, she is the senior director of film, TV, and visual media relations for BMI. And I'm going to let her explain all about what that is and how she single-handedly brought music from movies and television shows to the forefront of pop cultures, especially at, um, things like WonderCon and Comic-Con. And, um, I'm going to, and also she's a mama. So yay, go mama, go. All right. Here is my interview with Annie Ciceri. Annie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, I want to tell people a little bit about what BMI is, because I think for me, I always thought BMI, if I remember right, I used to order CDs from them. Like, does BMI have like a CD subscription service or something like that? Or did I dream that? No, 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 you did. And you didn't dream it either because I've heard that over the years. I feel like it was a long time ago. I (laughs) signed up for something. (laughs) no no we don't um there must have been another company that did that or it must have been way before maybe it was bmg because we get confused a lot with bmg a lot of people think we're a publisher which bmg is um but bmi uh broadcast music incorporated um is what's a what's called a performing rights organization. There's three of them in the United States. And um, what BMI as a company does is we make sure that every uh, composer, songwriter, publisher um, that you can think of is getting paid their royalties whenever their music is played around the world, basically. Um, so that's the the main part of what BMI does. Uh and we, we license to the users using the music and we make sure to pay the creators. And my specific job, um, I'm more of a creative executive. Um, pretty much everyone in the L.A. office are more creative executives. And, and what we do is we're out there finding the what we call affiliates um, and assigning them. So finding the talent, signing them and uh, bringing them into the BMI family and representing their their music. So you guys, though, it's not like a record label. 
right? No, no, we do. We do have different departments, just like a, a label. For instance, we have a Latin department. We have a film, television and visual media department, which is, you know, the department that I'm in. Um, we have a, a pop rock department, a country uh, uh, gospel, you know, so so um, we run in that respect that we have different departments overseeing genres, but uh, not like a label. Okay, so it's not like you have to go out on a Friday night to the club and look for the hottest new band to sign. Cause to no, me, I do. We do. You, oh, you do. <laughs> oh, do. you do. We, oh, no, wow. we do. We do. Um, um, because we're representing their public performances. Oh, I see. So, oh, okay. so we do not. So, so like where a label would would um, would represent their mechanical, what, what we call mechanical royalties, which is like the sales. Uh-huh. We are making sure to cover their public performances. So whenever their music is performing for the public, so on television, in theaters internationally, like commercials, um, digitally, live live shows, just like you mentioned. So all oh, of that. Yes, wow. that's so interesting. There's a whole other aspect of that's a whole other aspect of music that I don't think people realize. And it's it's great that companies like BMI exist because otherwise artists, especially like musicians, would just be, I feel like, ripped off right and left. Like people would people, I think, take music as it's like a common um, you know, for for common use, like, oh, well, I can just use this song for this and that and play it whenever I want. And that's just not the case. Absolutely. And and also part of our job is to educate as well. Um, you know, it's not just the licensing, which is what you're talking about, making sure those licenses are in effect. So the artists are getting paid what they should be getting paid. But um, also uh, it's part of our job to educate, educate the public, you know, as to music, uh, you know, does should be paid you know creators mm-hmm. of music are just like if you if if an artist was creating a piece of art that you go to a museum and and look at it's mm-hmm. you know they they need to be compensated for for their art so it's like i'm an actress so i get residuals on tv shows and films that not films but tv shows that i've been in so i assume i'm imagining it's sort of a similar thing where you get royalties for songs. correct Uh, Correct. Yeah. So, you know, uh, for instance, if uh, I wrote a song, you know, or have songwriter um, and their song plays in a show, uh, they they should be compensated for for that. And we make sure that they are. That's awesome. I would love to know how you got into this. That's such a specific area of entertainment. Um, I would love to know, did it start with like a passion for music or, um, how, how did you find yourself in this spot? Sure. Um, well, it, it's interesting. So I, um, I'm a former opera singer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't really know it from my voice right now. Cause I was just flying back from Austin, but, um, and with a baby, you know, uh, keeping me up. But um, so I was uh, an opera singer and uh, I went to school, University of Miami School of Music. And while I was there, um, I was a performance major to start. And then halfway through, I realized uh, that I was spending way too much money on an education to get a degree in singing. 
Yeah. So yeah. I switched my <laughs> I switched my major to uh, music business and entertainment industries, and I did it as a just in case, as a backup plan. Mm-hmm. I really didn't at the time know that I would be a music executive, so uh, it was my backup plan. And then um, I moved to Los Angeles from Florida. Everything was way more expensive, you know, here, and uh, I wasn't a very good waitress. So <laughs> I, I said, you know, I'm going to get uh, a job in the music industry. Like, that's what I know, and it'll get me into where I want to be. And I got very lucky, and uh, my very first job that I landed here was for a very successful film and television composer, and that's where I learned you know, a lot about music in film and television. And I just fell in love with it. And then BMI actually plucked me from that job. And I've been here for almost 15 years. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Working with many composers. Nobody ever stays at a job for 15 years anymore. That's so amazing. (laughs) But that's a true testament too to how much you love it and how, and how good you are at it. Cause you know, they wouldn't let you stay (laughs) if you weren't, if (laughs) you weren't doing a good job. Um, Thank you. That's so wonderful. I love hearing that you sort of, um, cause I had a similar experience in college where I was a theater major and I was like, I'm going to be an actor, but I also was a terrible waitress. And I was like, I was not a triple <laughs> threat. And the idea of going to Broadway in New York and like starving as an actor and hoping I made it, it just didn't sound very appealing to me. So I went into journalism and got a journalism degree and I got to do that for a few years before, um, realizing that I really did miss acting. But when we came out to LA, my husband and I, I didn't have to wait tables. I had a job as a journalist. So I got to keep working in journalism while pursuing my acting career. So I love hearing when people make practical decisions, you know, especially (laughs) work out and they work out, they work out, especially (laughs) in an industry that's so just like, some people are very like, I'm an artiste, you know, I follow my heart and my vision and they have no backup plan. And then they're like, why am I broke? Um, right, right. But they're like, I'm not going to sell out. I'm not going to sell no. out my art. And I'm like, but I'm you not going to sell out my art. You have to sell something. <laughs> the good thing is, and this probably <laughs> happened for you as well, is um, it it actually, I, I still did get to sing, which was yeah, wonderful. And yeah. actually, BMI was a wonderful company where they were so proud of me in that respect. Um a few years ago, I, I actually did get to sing at Carnegie Hall and BMI was like the parent. They were just, you know, they were so excited. They did a, like a little article oh, that's awesome. <laughs> singing there. So it was, it, it was, it's wonderful to work for a company that supports you like that yeah, very much. That's so great. I love to hear that. Um, I would love to talk about how you brought the world of music to the cons. Now we have WonderCon that's coming up in Anaheim yes. um, on the 23rd. And then in a few months later is Comic-Con in San Diego. Now I have been to WonderCon, I think once before, but I've been to Comic-Con several times. And um, I, I would love to know what it was that kind of sparked your idea and like what kind of brought about the need to bring music to the forefront. Because man, music is so powerful in film and television. I agree. I agree. Uh, Yeah. So it was around 2009, I would say. Um, Comic-Con International was becoming the platform for Hollywood to showcase and unveil their future projects. Yeah. yeah. 
And, um, you know, the genre films and TV shows, the superhero, fantasy, sci-fi, horror films, were all starting to take over the mainstream. And so I was already a fan of these cons at that time. And I would go and I would see that, you know, they were talking about and spotlighting the character development and the actresses and the, the actors, the producers, the writers, not a mention about the music, which in my opinion is one of the biggest characters Absolutely. in the film. Absolutely. You know, um, it's, I mean, just even think about watching a horror film or a superhero film without any music. So I couldn't believe that there, there was no mention of, of the any music panels, music. no, nothing, nothing. There was nothing. And so that's when, um, I, I had this idea and, uh, with my partner, uh, that's with another company, uh, he's a publicist and, and we wanted to bring it to the cons. So we talked to Comic-Con and at first I have to say they were kind of like, Oh no, you know, we, that we were already bringing the fans what they, they want to hear about. And I don't know that they would really care about the music. And so we were like, we assure (laughs) you they are just as much fans of the music as they are of the character development and, you know, the writing, trust me. And so what they did, it was interesting. Um, what they did was they said, okay, we'll let you do a trial panel at WonderCon. We're not even going to discuss Comic-Con right now. We're going to let you do a trial panel at WonderCon. So we're like, okay. So we did do our first panel uh, at WonderCon, and it was amazing. It was a standing room only. There was a line out the door. Billboard did an article on it. So then what we did was we sent all of this uh, information to uh, the people that put together the panels for Comic-Con, which is the same people. We just basically sent them, sent them an email like, Hey, by the way, this is how we did. And, and, you know, Oh, and here's billboard. And, um, and so can we, can we now have a panel at Comic-Con? And they said, yes. And that was in 2010. And, uh, and so we have been doing panels both at WonderCon and at Comic-Con ever since. And it's, now we were the first and it was just our panel and uh and we've brought every major film and and tv show in all of those genres the music from you know over the years we, we've brought the composers and um and for for comic-con what we do is to make the conversation a little more interesting for Comic-Con, we we also bring either the show creator or the director or producer with the composer. So it makes it a little bit more of an interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we do that for Comic-Con. WonderCon, we still do uh, just more genre-specific panels. Uh, for instance... Uh, next weekend, which is WonderCon, we're doing music and animation. Uh, oh. So we, we keep WonderCon a little more genre specific. But that's mainly what we built up. And ever since then, now it's exploded to where other companies are doing music panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's signings. So there's uh, different soundtrack companies that, that put out the soundtracks for film and television uh, shows that now we'll have special signings with the composers at Comic-Con and at WonderCon. So there's that. And then since 2010, we've been featured in 
Billboard and Music Connection and um, the Wall Street Journal, the score and hundreds of online media outlets. So it just exploded. So it really was good. And it was also good, really good for BMI since we were the first and we're still the only PRO that that has a partnership with Comic-Con. So have you seen there's a movie called Score. Have you seen that movie? You know, it's so funny because I have not seen it, but I know everyone that's in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it was it was, you know, doing the festivals when I was on when I had my baby, when I was on maternity leave and I was just, you know, being mommy. (laughs) I have I've not seen it. Um, I will. The only reason I bring it up is because um, one of my friends and um, colleagues, uh, Kenny, is a producer on that, and he has okay. been talking about it for years and years and years. And because since they've been making it forever, and I was like, "That's such a cool idea. I love music and film and blah blah blah." So this last weekend, he was like, "Have you seen my movie yet?" <laughs> it came out like <clears throat> last year, and I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna watch it," and it was amazing, and it just reminded yeah. me of the power of music and like every song that came up um, every, and it wasn't just like, you know, pop songs and movies. It was the score, like the, the composer driven um, elements of music in films and television. And I just, there's like such nostalgia associated with so many movies. And of course they talked about John Williams and, you know, who's one of our biggest uh, affiliate. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you guys He's friends? Do you hang out with John Williams? Because that's amazing. <laughs> I am pic- I am pictured many times with John Williams. I love him, and and it's funny that um you bring him up. Which of course, you know, how could there be a conversation about film music without bringing up John Williams? Right. You know, who was just nominated for his fifty first Oscar. That's crazy. Uh, so that's you know pretty incredible. But when you talk about film score right and and even people that that aren't really involved in it day to day they do know it because it it really is the soundtrack of your childhood when you mm-hmm. think about it think about all of these films that that you've watched over the years and and the music that just takes you right back and so for instance like with John Williams um i i collect um I collect uh, sheet music. That's just like my thing. I, um, you know, I'll, I'll have our composers like, you know, write a note to me on it and I'll frame it. And that's, that's what I feel is art in my office. And um, so when it came to John, I had asked him, I said, you know, would you mind signing a piece of sheet music that I can put up in my office and frame? And he said, yes, which score would you like? And when you talk about someone like John Williams, okay. Yeah. How do you choose? That's like asking, that's like asking a parent, which, what is your favorite child? You know, I mean, um, but yet, but yet I knew immediately which one I wanted and it, and it wasn't what a lot of people would have thought. A lot of people were like, Oh, did you pick star Wars? And it's like, no, no. Oh, did you pick Harry Potter? No, no. I chose the flying theme from E.T. I was going to say, did you pick E.T.? <laughs> I did. I did because guess what? That piece of music, I don't care where I am. I don't care how bad of a day I had, what emotional drama is going on in life. You put that piece of music on, at least for me, and it brings me back to when I was a little girl 
and the magic that the world was right and it's got that that's what I wanted nostalgia that just sort of like there's a sense of hope to it a sense of wonder and like anybody who's ever seen that film or that moment and honestly some people if you even haven't seen that movie you can't not hear that piece of music and and just get caught up in it um it's so beautiful and he's so talented and they also interviewed Hans Zimmer. Um, <clears throat> and what's in, what was interesting Amazing, to me is, yeah. is they talked to a, other composers whose name I didn't, whose name I maybe recognized or had heard before, but didn't know them by, by face. And, you know, to hear <clears throat> from these composers was really amazing. And um, for me, like music is a big part of our household. Like we always have music playing. My husband used to be a radio DJ when we first met. So he like music has always been a big part of our family. And so I love hearing how you're taking a passion for something in your life and you've made this wonderful career out of it. Um, I would love to know too, like how you decided to like, what was the push or what was the moment where you were like, I want to be a mom now and how can I work motherhood into this wonderful career that you've created? Oh, sure. Well, well, I'm Italian. So (laughs) motherhood is like, you know, you're always wanting to be a mom when you're (laughs) Italian. I don't know. At least I did. I, I, I always knew I wanted to be a mom always. And, um, but honestly, you know, you come to LA and your, and your career takes over and you're, you're like, Oh, wow. Whoops. Like, you know, uh, (laughs) I've been really busy with this that, you know, I need to focus maybe on, on the personal life. And for me, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom, but it just so happens that, you know, in LA, it is very hard, um, to at least a lot of people say, and I, I was part of this, uh, that it's very hard to meet someone yeah. in LA. Everyone thinks it's so easy, but it's not. With, with so, so many people here, you'd think it would just be like, oh, no problem. And you go out to the bars and meet someone or the clubs or a friend of a friend or whatever. And, uh, right. It's, it's right, so right, hard. Right. It's so hard. It's hard. Yeah. So, so for me, um, I met, the love of my life a little bit later. And, and so that that's what, what did it for me was, um, was when I finally met the, the right person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I knew that it, it was right. And, but I've always wanted to, to be a mom and for then, sure. So tell me you have a little boy. I do. What's his his name? name is Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> How old is he? He is, eight and a half months. Oh and it's so funny goodness. because I've never been one, like these moms that do weeks. Cause I, I'm always confused about that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what week it is, but so I'll say like eight oh, and a half months and, and then the guilt comes in and I go, Oh my God, did I just sound like a bad mom? Because no. like I didn't use weeks. No, like, I didn't is that a bad thing? I used it up until like, she was about three months and then I was just <laughs> like three months, four months, five months, you know, like um, yeah. we, I didn't use weeks either. Like there were some people that were like, she's, you know, 92 weeks. And I'm like, Oh my I God, know. what is that? <laughs> I think you're going to make me do math. Oh no. Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 sometimes I don't even know what week it is. Right. Nevertheless, how many weeks my kid is. So, exactly. I, you know, it's just one of those things. Are you going to take Jackson to WonderCon? Is he going to become a con kid? 
Oh, he already is. Oh my God. So, um, we are definitely a geek family. I have to say. So the, the love that I was talking about that I met, I really did meet my perfect match. I mean, he's like, like in the day he's an LA district attorney, (laughs) (laughs) criminal attorney, but, but he's a big geek. I'm telling you. And he's going to listen to this and he's going to agree. He's going to be like, yep, that's right. (laughs) Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's big into the, the cons and he loved, you know, film music and video game music. And, um, and he even, um, just wrote a comic book. So he has that creative side. So of course our kid has already been to a con, you know, <laughs> when he was four months old, he was, he was at a con. Um, and, uh, and definitely he will be with us, uh, at WonderCon. and yes, we will probably cosplay him. So yes. I know I was gonna. That was my next question. And what will he be wearing? What will he be cosplaying? We haven't figured that out yet. We still have a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still trying to, to figure out what, we're going to cosplay him as, but you know, but he's just such a happy baby, you know, it'll be great. And he, and he's already been around crowds so much that he's, he's kind of like a little natural, but I will tell you the the very first con, the very first con I did take him to, um, he was only four months old and, um, and uh, Jeremy and I were um, Bob and Linda Belcher from from Bob's Burgers, <laughs> and and Jackson was in the burger costume that Gene wears. Oh, I love so it. <laughs> and and of course, like everyone stopped because they wanted photos with Jackson. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I almost feel like, though, you have to kind of get them used to stuff like that early. Like, if that's a part of your life, like I'm a big believer in that. You don't adjust your life and your and your what you do to cater your to your kids you sort of bring them into your world you know like and that doesn't mean like you know going out to the bars and the clubs every night but like the things you love to do and the things that you enjoy eating and and that sort of things should also be what you introduce to your kids so I love that you do that we're going I'm excited for um I'm excited for WonderCon um and I'm really excited for Comic-Con this year are you guys gonna do something at Comic-Con as well Yes, we haven't, um, we're just, you know, dealing with WonderCon right now. So we haven't actually sat down and decided, uh, which films or TV shows or, mm-hmm. um, properties that we're going to put on our Comic-Con panel, but, but Comic-Con, we, you know, Comic-Con is branded. It's, you know, um, it's the, the panel is called the character of music. Uh, it's, it's co-produced. Uh, with White Bear PR, uh, which is my partner Chandler Poling, who's a publicist, and um, and that's the one that I told you that we we choose, uh, you know, show creators or film directors mm-hmm. and um, and their composers. And we also like to to try to to, to do exclusives because that's a really big thing at Comic-Con as well. So like one year, you know, we did, um, we brought the, we brought the executive producer and the composer for arrow and it was before the show was starting. So again, we were, we were bringing an exclusive to the fans. We were getting, they, they were getting to see a scene and, and hear some of the music for the very first time. So we really like to do that. We did it with looper, um, and many, we've done it with many, many shows actually. Um, and so we like to do that 
every time if we can. So we'll sit down after WonderCon and look at what's going to be coming out in the fall and if we can get the, you know, uh, that composer or, the, you know, and that director or um, showrunner on the panel and we'll build it around that. Well, I absolutely admire and love everything you're doing to bring the forefront of music and not just like, you know, music you hear on the radio, but like composers and um, scores essentially to um, the forefront. And I love that you talk about how BMI educates people about music and music rights and, and all of that sort of thing. And also it's kudos to you for doing it with an eight month old lady. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Thank eight months so and I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, well, you know, I tell people that, that say that I say, you know, Look, you know, sometimes you just need a little more eyeliner and espresso and and you're good to go. There you go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, tell everybody quickly where they can find you at WonderCon. And then if you have any social media channels that you want to talk up or anything like that, like now's your chance to do it. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. So our panel at WonderCon is on Sunday, March 25th at 2 p.m. And it's open to anyone that has a badge. Uh, it's in room 200A. It says room north 200A is what it says. Uh, it's music and animation. And we're actually featuring the music in the adult animation uh, shows. So we have the composer Ryan Elder from Rick and Morty. So I know that's a really big show for a lot of oh, these people. Cool. Um, Tim Kiefer from Adventure Time, Mark Rivers from Netflix Big Mouth, and Tom Howe from, uh, who did the music for Early Man. So uh, we're also going to be giving... Uh, some giveaways we have the composers sign uh some swag and some some cds and stuff too and we give them away to anyone who asks a question so that that's there will oh, be neat. some fun giveaways yeah we do that as well so that that's our panel and um as far as uh me and and handles and and hashtags <laughs> it's funny it's funny because it used to be my name but i actually when i was on maternity leave um, I changed it uh, to June Cleaver Lied. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and and of course, there's at BMI, so that's yes. that's the company, and and that's um, and the company is is putting on the the panel with me. So at BMI, of course. But uh, my personal, which I just switched over, uh, is yeah, uh, is June Cleaver lied. And uh, that's a whole other conversation that we can have another time. <laughs> but that's, so that's how I was. That's how I was feeling on maternity leave. And so I'm gonna stick with it. Listen, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I know, I kind of have an idea just based on that title, like what you're feeling. So um, right. <laughs> so, Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and share your story. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everybody. I'm going to put up information about Annie and BMI and where she'll be at WonderCon up on motherhoodinhollywood.com. That's going to do it for me this week. You guys have a wonderful week, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls. <laughs>